Welcome everyone to another episode of Slasher Scotty. I am your host Scotty McCoy and boy do I have a surprise for all of you. I have on Zoom with me right now Jack Shoulder and he is the director of A Nightmare on Elm Street 2 Freddy's Revenge. Hey Jack how are you doing? I'm good how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good hanging in there. Um, so I have a couple of questions for you. The first one I have is, uh, how did you get your start into directing and filmmaking? Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, well, I started making films in college. Um, okay. I, uh, I, I spent a year at the University of Edinburgh in Scotland, and mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to be a writer. And I had a girlfriend who was interested in film and I got interested in film and I thought, well, this would be a, Hey, I should become a film director. You know, like (laughs) why not? Right. So I started watching a lot of films. I got more and more into it. Uh, I went back to my college, Antioch college in Ohio. Um, at that time, nobody had film programs. Um, you know, it's not like now, uh, you know, there was uh, NYU and USC and UCLA, but there were, you know, there were very few. I mean, there weren't even like film studies. That was like like a whole new thing that really came in kind of in, you know, in the 70s, film right. really started to be recognized. So I just started making films on my own. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I had a friend who had uh, spent a year abroad at the mm-hmm. London School of Film Technique. So he he knew how to uh, operate a, a Bolex. And so we, uh, we went out and we made a little film. Um, you know, I, I uh, actually, I, I got a job, a co-op job for three months working for the National Institutes of Health mm-hmm. for an anthropologist who, uh, who was, um, well, it's a kind of a, a long story, but there was a guy who was investigating, um, diseases of the central nervous system and there's okay. a disease called kuru oh uh, and kuru only affected one tribe in the eastern highlands of new guinea and nobody else in the world <laughs> and he thought if he studied this that he might be able to find the answer to mm-hmm. like uh, muscular dystrophy uh, uh you know ms a lot of those those mm-hmm. diseases uh, and so the people that had this were basically stone age tribe and um, uh, so he was smart enough to realize that, you know, after a few years, they're all, all going to be, you know, listening to Michael Jackson. So right. he hired an anthropologist to document them. And the anthropologist had this idea that everything should be um, uh, recorded so that um, there was no point of view that he mm-hmm. uh, added. And so... I got a job working for this guy, and and uh, and, and basically I, I was given a choice of, of editing several you know footage based on several different subjects. And so, the first film I edited was uh, called Nutrition in the Foray Tribe of the Eastern Highlands of New Guinea. I'm sure you've you've seen it. It's a perennial favorite. Yeah, um, everybody loves it. Yes, I actually enjoy. It. I think we wa- might have watched that in school actually. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it was basically just I went through and every shot of anything that had anything to do with food, I just put Mm -hmm. and put a little title card in front of it that said, you know, uh, 
July 21st, 19, whatever, uh, right. 3.30 p.m., eating a, an embocava beetle, you know, whatever. <laughs> so so, so um, I, I learned uh, editing. I mean, it wasn't creative editing, but I learned the tools. I learned the what the, you do in the film lab and, and how that all works. Right. Uh, so then I went back and I um, made a short film, and then I ended up making uh, three other films, just completely on on my own. I mean, there was nobody to tell us how to do it. Uh, I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I watched a lot of movies and, mm-hmm. and I just kind of did it. We figured out how to work the equipment and, mm-hmm. and that was it. Nice. And then I, then I moved to New York. So I had made these, these, uh, uh, one, two, three short films. And then when I graduated from college, I got a summer job, uh, working with high school students to make films about the Philadelphia art museums that come come from Philadelphia. And we had some film left over. And so I decided to make a movie and I used the students as my crew and Mm -hmm. and we made another little movie, which is probably the, the the first one I made, that was any good called diary. Uh, And then I moved to New York, uh, got some works as a film editor. And uh, uh, so I I became a film editor. and then I started making, I made a couple of short films, uh, which, which won a bunch of awards, played on television, stuff like that. Uh, and, and I had the good fortune to meet, uh, uh, soon after I moved to New York, to meet Bob Shea, who mm-hmm. had this little film distribution company called New Line Cinema. And uh, they had four films that they were distributing, and they needed a trailer. And he asked, Bob asked if I knew anybody who could edit a trailer, and I said, me. I mean, I'd never edited one, but I said me. And he said, okay. And so we locked ourselves in an editing room over a weekend and we edited this trailer. And by the end of the weekend, uh, we were friends. And so, uh, you know, uh, I guess I was 22 at that time. Uh, And then when I was 35, I made my first feature for New Line. So, nice. So, you know, it was just, that's how it worked out. Awesome. So you said that, I'm assuming that it was the first feature for New Line that was the a Nightmare 2? No, it was called Alone in the Dark. Okay. It was actually the first feature that, that they had produced on their own. Okay. They, had, they had co-produced another film called uh, Stuntman. Okay. Uh, or Stunts. It was called Stunts. Okay. Uh, but this was the one that, that they basically produced all on their own. And then the next film that they did was Elm Street. Nice. So how did you get involved with uh, uh, doing Nightmare on Elm Street 2? Uh, well, uh, Wes was supposed to direct it. Uh, he never liked the script, mm-hmm. which he didn't write. Oh. Um, and I think he had other options. And six weeks before they were going to start shooting, he pulled out. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, you know, I, I had helped a, a little bit out on the editing, not mm-hmm. much, but I, I'd read early drafts of the, the script, you know, because I'd, I'd always been kind of involved with, with New Line and Bob always would sort of right. ask for my opinions and stuff. So I was pretty familiar with it. And they needed somebody who could just jump in and do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they didn't want to spend a lot of money. And I was, a, I, I guess, a proven entity. So they asked me to, to do it. Uh, and actually, my, my first reaction was no, because I didn't want to do another horror film. I didn't want to get typecast as a 
horror film director, <laughs> and I didn't want to do a sequel to somebody else's horror film. Right. Uh, and then a friend of mine said, don't be an idiot. Uh, the film's going to make a lot of money, and you'll have a directing career. So uh, so I thought about it. I said, well, you know, um, better to make it than not to. And the film came out. It made a lot of money, and I directed films for the next, you know, 20-some years. So nice. he was right. Yeah, and this film, like, like this film and franchise in general, like, it has a, a massive cult following. Like, it really has yeah. a loyal fan base. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, what was the hardest part about filming and completing a Nightmare on Elm Street Two: Freddy's Revenge? Uh, shooting and completing it. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, you know, basically they'd already started. Um, they'd hired or they had a producer, they had a, a production designer, they had a director of photography. They'd already hired a bunch of people, and I sort of came in and I had like six weeks to prepare this whole film. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, it was extremely daunting. You know, there were a lot mm -hmm. of special effects, um, most of which I had no idea how to do. Um, right. You know, they had, you know, people, I mean, the fact is that um, on one level to direct a film, you, you know, have to know everything about mm -hmm. film, everything yeah. about acting, camera, sound, production design, all that stuff. Yeah. editing of course uh on another level you don't have to know anything <laughs> any idiot i mean you could any idiot could direct a movie because mm -hmm. basically there's somebody there who knows how to do everything you know if you're an auto mechanic and somebody brings their car in and says uh um it's making a, the engine's making a funny sound <laughs> you know uh, uh and you have to replace the uh the you know the uh, you know, a piston. Right. It takes some skill. Mm -hmm. But if you owned the shop and you said, hey, Joe, go replace the piston, you know, uh, <laughs> you really wouldn't have to know how to replace the piston. You know, it would be a good idea if you did. Yes. But um, so, but it, uh, so it was very, very uh, anxiety producing to prep the mm -hmm. film because I felt like it was like climbing Mount Everest that, that, right. that there were like 190 special effects and <laughs> there were all these stunts and there were all of these, these things that I really had no idea how to do. Right. Uh, and I had to figure out just how to, sh how to shoot the movie, you know, mm -hmm. um, what all the shots were going to be and all that. So I, I, just, you know, spent day and night prepping and figuring everything out and, and then on the first day of shooting, I suddenly had no anxiety whatsoever. Right. You know, it was kind of like, like, like stage fright. But I walked on and I kind of knew what I was about right. to do. So that made awesome. So kind of similarly, um, what was the best part about film uh, directing A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge? And what was the worst? Uh, well, the best part was, uh, well, I mean, you know, it was a really great group of people, mm -hmm. um, good cast. Uh, Robert England was terrific to work with. Mark nice. Patton, um, you know, uh, everybody was 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 really nice. Um, mm -hmm. I had Jacques Haitkin, the cameraman who had shot the first one, who was a guy who I I had wanted to actually hire to do Alone in the Dark, but 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 he wasn't available. So he really knew 
kind of how to do everything. So he was a you know great person to have. Um, and uh, you know once once I got started and I felt like I knew what I was doing. Um, it was it was just just fun to make. I guess I guess the hard part was uh, a lot of night shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, long hard shoot. Yeah. But absolutely. So obviously, I have to ask this question: <laughs> Were you aware of the homoerotic elements that was written in the film? Like, were you aware of any of that while shooting it? Well, it depends on what you mean by aware. If if you mean, you know, the 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 the, uh, the current writing and thinking about the film as as, as a sort of you know uh, iconic gay horror film, no, uh, I mean none of us did. Right. Nobody knew line did. Um, I mean, uh, the fact that Mark Patton was gay never. I mean, it never even crossed my mind. Right. I mean, it wasn't like I said, oh, he's not gay. I just, it, it wasn't even, you know, it's like yeah. I'm looking at you and I'm not saying, is Scotty McCoy gay or not? I wonder, if he, <laughs> you know, you know, I'm, not, I'm just not even thinking right. about it, you know, right. and, and, and all the girls at New Line thought Mark was really cute, you know, and, right. and Mark was, <laughs> was, you know, he was, he was told by his agent, if you let people know that you're gay, it's going to ruin your career. So, um, I mean, Mark didn't even pick it up when right. he read the script, you know, uh, uh, you know, then, then he got into the makeup chair and some of the people said, Hey, do you realize what's, what this script is all about? <laughs> uh, so, but so obviously there were a lot of gay things in the movie. Right. I, I mean, I lived in the West village in hmm. New York, which was, you know, the gay part of New York. So I kind of, you know, I know what it's all about just to, mm-hmm. you know, superficially see yeah. it on the street, you know? Right. Um, uh, and uh, uh, you know, I, I saw the film. It's about you know teen sexual anxiety. So right. uh, you know, so if if uh, you know one one of the things back in the day that people would say, hey, hey, uh, you know, you're uh, what are you gay or uh, uh, you know you're a fag or this or that, you know, all right. of those 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 kinds of things. That was a way to to, to put people down and belittle yeah. them and. Uh, uh, you know, all of that to say that you were, you know, less, less than right. They were. And so the idea that he's bullied, that, uh, that he's an outsider, he's, he's mm-hmm. a bit of a loner. Uh, I mean, all that figured in, I mean, uh, you know, there's a scene in a gay bar and, you know, there's the, yeah. the, the coach gets dressed up in, you know, leather and all that, you know, which is, <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, I would see people walking down the street, you know, in, in the West <laughs> village dressed like that. So, right. so, um, uh, you know, for me, I was kind of um, playing with that, spoofing mm-hmm. it a little bit. Right. Uh, I mean, like I said, there, uh, uh, you know, the times have have, have really changed. Yes. And when the yeah. movie came out, the only only review that pointed that out was, I mean, you know, all, all the reviews came in and they were basically pretty good. I mean, mm-hmm. especially for, for, for a sequel, they were, you know, pretty yeah. much pretty, pretty good. Um, you know, and, and it did great business. And then the Village Voice came out. The Village Voice came out on a Wednesday. <laughs> and I get a call from 
Sarah Risher, who was the head of production at, at New Line, and said, did you see The Village Voice? And I said, no. And she said, you're not going to believe this. They called it the gayest horror film ever made, or something, something <laughs> like that. And we started laughing. And she read me the article and was saying, oh, man, yeah, sure. Um, but they were the only people that really picked up on it, you know? Yeah. And then, of course, as, as, as time went on, you know, it sort yeah. of became the the uh, predominant view and mm-hmm. um, you know, it was always considered, I mean, Wes sort of felt that uh, the reason he didn't like the script was he felt it violated the rules because right. you know, Freddie appears at the pool party whenever yeah. he's awake and he's only supposed to appear when you're asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, um, that whole concept sort of started to, to really come about, and 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 also the 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 film was kind of a one off. I mean, I, you know, I I I I've always tried to think of myself as a as a kind of an auteur filmmaker, you know, whether I am or not. So, if you're making a sequel, it's pretty hard to be an auteur because right. you you you're basically trying to you know make a another version of right. the same thing. But yeah. uh, I never felt that I had to be loyal to the original idea nor did anybody else you know right. uh as far as new line was was concerned you know the first film made a lot of money because they thought it was scary mm-hmm. and and it had a, a, a great concept so that was all they cared about they didn't even want to bring back robert england because yeah. his agent wanted more money you know i had to you know i said i think he really got to bring him back but yeah. he didn't understand you know how important freddie was you know if right. you look at the original poster there's no freddie on the poster right yeah there's just a there's just a claw you know yep. and there's there's you know mark and, and kim and there's just a claw and there's like a raven in the I'm, I'm looking at it right right now i mean it's just the man of your dreams is back but there's like a raven and um yep. you know and it, you know it's a starring Mark Patton, blah, blah, blah. And Robert England as Freddie. You know? Right. Yeah. So, so, so they didn't really feel like uh, that there was anything, you know, uh, that, yeah. that had to be uh, preserved or honored or anything like, like that. And um, right. uh, so that was just, this kind of how we um, mm-hmm. approached it was just to sort of take it on its, on its own terms. So, you know, yeah. people have always felt it was kind of like an outlier. Because mm-hmm. with three, they 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 sort of went back to more toward Wes's concept, except you know Freddie mm-hmm. sort of became a, you know a stand-up comedian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and if you think about it, even like Freddy Krueger, because like the first two were you know the the first you know obviously the first two of the franchise, so it's not like they had a franchise at the time. So. Yeah like Freddie didn't really start becoming popular until he became that comedian in part three. And yeah. as the movies went on, but I think part two, Freddie is the most scariest Freddie, in my opinion. Well, I mean, that was the only thing that new line said to me. I mean, they didn't say you have to do this. You have to do that. They, mm-hmm. they didn't um, hover over me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing they said was, you know, you got to keep Freddie dark. We yep. want to keep him dark, yeah. You know, both in the in the lighting sense, I think, and also in the in the you know the actual sense of making him a right. a dark character. You know. Yep. Exactly. So, um, let's see. So, 
Were there any talks that you were aware about of bringing Heather Langenkamp back for the film? No. None? All right. Well, I mean, there, there might have been before I came on. Right. I mean, I mean, when I came on, there was no cast whatsoever, including Freddie. Okay. Uh, the interesting thing is um, when I came on, I was, you know, I said, are you bringing Robert England back? And mm -hmm. they said, well, uh, his agent's asking for more money and we don't want to give him more money. So, uh, you know, we're, we think he's trying to take advantage of us. I mean, that was right. their, their, their attitude. Um, and I, you know, and, and like I said, I, I, mm -hmm. I told them, I think he, he's really good. I think you really need to bring him back. Um, right. The interesting thing is that we never saw anybody else for Freddie. Right. So you would have thought that, that they would have been concerned or, you know, at that time, you never had a killer in, in those early 80s movies who was yeah. a real character. They right. were just, you know, a guy would pop up, you know, and kill a bunch of campers or, right. you know, show up at your doorstep with a chainsaw and a mask right. on. And it could be anybody. You didn't need an actor. Yep. You just needed yep. somebody who could hold a chainsaw or do this. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of them, they were, yep. were stuntmen. You know, yeah, that's what I was actually thinking. I was going to say the same thing, like with the Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers, they don't talk. They're not char they're, they're characters, but they don't have a, a character background or like that personality. Like you right. can put anybody in a hockey mask or the, or the William Shatner mask and put the overalls or whatever the clothes are on them. And you can have a stuntman do it. And bam, you got your you got your character. But with Robert England, he he's Freddy. He talks. He's 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 alive. Well, and, and um, actually, um. I mean, what I think is that they were planning to hire him back all along, but they were just trying to sort of play hardball. Mm -hmm. And so, so about two weeks before we were going to start shooting, and like I said, we never saw anybody else right. for the role. Maybe two, or maybe two or three weeks before we were going to start shooting, mm -hmm. uh, they said, "Oh, we made a deal with 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 Robert, so he's going to play Freddie." Nice. So, well, that's that that's great. They said, but but the problem is that in the meantime, he took another job, so he's not available the first week. So you're going to have to use a double for Freddie. Wow. So so fortunately, the only the the only scene that we were shooting was the scene in the shower, mm -hmm. and there was this one shot. Uh, really of, of Freddie where, you know, at the end of the scene, he walks out of the shower. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they thought, well, I would just get an extra, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, pe people say, oh, well, he was a stuntman. He wasn't even a stuntman. He was an extra. It could have been <laughs> you. He was like some right. guy who like, you know, fit the costume basically. Nice. He nice. had no particular skills. Yeah. And, and um, I had met Robert by coincidence. I, I had gone to a theater production, I don't know, two weeks before we started shooting. I don't know why. I think, I think Lynn Shea uh, um, knew somebody mm -hmm. in the cast and invited me to come. And he happened to be there at the, nice. at, at the show. And nice. so I saw him. And then during the 15-minute intermission, he and I just like talked like – Right. like crazy for like 15 minutes and then right. that was it you know um yeah so so when the extra like started walking it was like walking you know like like he was dracula <laughs> like he was frankenstein or something you know and i had to say 
stopped acting like a monster. Right. Uh, and I finally got him. I mean, he, uh, you know, if you if you if you watch the movie, uh, you know, you can tell he's not Robert England. He just doesn't. Right. And then the following week, you know, then we really started shooting stuff that that had Freddie in it. And mm -hmm. Robert was just I mean, he just had this power and this, you know, even though he's he's not a big, powerful looking guy, he's not a guy who, you know, uh, you'd want to get. Right. Uh, you know, having a in, a in a tough bar with you, you know, he doesn't look like he could really kick ass, but he's got right. this, he's a terrific actor and he had this real power and energy and just the way he moved and the way he walked and everything, there was yeah. just this strength to it. Awesome. So did you um, see the first the Nightmare on Elm Street before filming, like directing the second one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, like I said, I, uh, you know, Bob showed me an, uh, an early draft when they were just, getting ready to, mm -hmm. to green light the film. And then I, and then I saw something that was probably closer to the shooting script. And then I helped out a little bit on the editing, you know? And so okay. I, I, I had seen it, you know, in a partially finished state and then I'd seen it in a, in a finished state. So I was, you know, I was pretty familiar with, with the film. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So um, do you like have any type of memorable stories from your time on set of a Nightmare on Elm Street two that you would like to share? Uh, quite a few. <laughs> uh, well, everybody's probably heard the the story about the the scene with the with the tongue. Um, yep. Yeah. Let's hear that one but, again. Well, uh, um, when we were shooting uh, at the uh, the finals, the final stuff, mm -hmm. uh, which we shot in this abandoned steel mill. Yeah. And. Um, and there was, there was some, I don't know, some, some special effect and special effects people, uh, you know, we were ready to shoot and mm -hmm. they weren't quite ready. And so we had to stand around for like two hours doing nothing right. while they got their shit together. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and uh, you're on a, you know, you really don't want to be standing around doing nothing on a, mm -hmm. on a film set. So I was I was pretty annoyed, and I said to them, "Okay, the next the next time you have a special effect, I want you to be waiting for me, not the other way around. Right. I want you to have it ready, mm -hmm. you know. So I, there's no possibility that I'm going to wait. So uh, and that happened to be the the tongue gag. So um, so they um, got it ready like two hours before it was scheduled to happen and we were running late and so the and so they had like had to glue this big green tongue it was like about you know this long that you know with like you know warts on it and, and it moved all around you know they had all all these <laughs> controls that it could kind of move up and down and sideways and, and uh the assistant director said to me um you know, Mark's had this thing in his face now for like three or four hours. He can't eat. It's hard to swallow. He can't talk. He's really upset. Um, and I think it would be a good idea if you, during a little break in the action, if you were to go to his trailer and just talk to him and, you know, calm him down and all that. So I said, okay. And I, I knocked on his door and, mm -hmm. you know, I guess the makeup men were there and they opened up the door and I take a look at Mark and he's standing there with this like 
nine inch green tongue sticking out of his <laughs> mouth and I burst out laughing. <laughs> Mark had, he couldn't talk, but he had like a pad and a, and a, and a marker and he wrote, it's not funny. Uh, and i i I apologize and i i left quickly uh so when it came time to shoot the scene it was it was you know we'd been shooting like for 12 or 14 hours and you know it was kind of punchy at that point Mm -hmm. and i knew that if if i saw him again i'd probably burst out laughing again and if i did that he might just like pull the thing out of his mouth and that would be the end of it so i i hid behind the set and I I watched it through a door and I had the assistant director say action and cut because I, I was afraid if I even like said something I'd just start laughing so so that was how I directed right. that that's funny that poor guy though like he had that scene and then he had the scene where he was dancing to that song and doing the butt yeah. bump and all that oh my god well that was all all his stuff he, he made that all up yeah. Like, I mean, uh, you know, I just said, you know, it said in the in the script, you know, he dances to this song, and 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 I just said, hey, Mark, go, for, you know, make something up, go for it. I, you know, I'm not a choreographer, so right. so he he had done the. I, I mean, uh, you know, there was all all this the other special effects where uh, you know uh, Freddie bursts out of his chest, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, special effects. I mean, uh, you know, Robert had it pretty hard. You know, he had, mm-hmm. you know three four hours of makeup every day so he'd have to get there early and then you know toward the end putting this latex on and gluing it on his face for 12 hours and then pulling it off and having to put it back so you know toward the end of the the shooting his face was like hamburger you know (laughs) know? and and I, i don't think they they used um i i have no recollection that they used any uh, uh you know contacts mm-hmm. but uh, when i did wishmaster they used contacts for for that film and mm-hmm. uh you know uh they're not like regular contacts that you mm-hmm. wear they're harder and they're and and yeah. i remember you know toward the end of the shoot andrew devoff was you know it was like putting mm-hmm. sandpaper in his eyes it was just mm-hmm. terrible you know yeah yeah that's that's bad (laughs) so um the last question i got for you is do you have any future projects that you have in the works that you'd like to promote to the listening and viewing audiences and any social media or accounts or websites that you'd like to promote well i'm i'm actually uh i was supposed to go into production on this on a vampire movie that uh that i you know helped to write um that i'm extremely enthusiastic about Uh, and things got a little postponed. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, at this point, uh, you know, there's a possibility we might shoot it in the, in the winter, yeah. uh, more likely we would shoot it in the spring, nice. um, but, uh, it's a really, really good, good film, you know, and I, I haven't shot a film and I guess the last film that I did was in mm-hmm. 2004. Oh, so, wow. Okay. Because I, well, I, 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 I left LA to start a film program at a university in North Carolina. Okay. And, and so, so I did that for about 13 or 14 years and, nice. you know, so I am hoping to be making this film. Nice. And what's the name of the film? If you're able to tell uh, us. Fear the Night. Nice. I'll definitely be looking out for that. I love vampire yeah. stories. So 
Definitely can't wait well, to see that. It's a really good one. You know, it's like really good vampire movies are about more than just vampires. Right. So, yep. um, uh, which is certainly what, what this one is. It deals with a lot of a lot of stuff, but nice. young female vampires. Mm-hmm. Young awesome. female vampire. So, awesome. Yeah. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much, uh, uh, Jack, for uh, joining me. Okay. Uh, right. Been a pleasure. Yep. All right. Take care. Right. You too. You have a great rest of your day. Same to you. And, right, and sorry you. about your father. Thank you very much. Bye.